Artlist.io. Good afternoon and welcome to the Right Fit Podcast. I'm your host, Daryl Jacobs. Please join me every Friday at noon Eastern time with decision makers from both collegiate athletics and professional sports. But joining me today is the senior associate at Park Executive Search, one of the most sought after search firms in the industry. Please welcome to the show, Ms. Delana Jordan. Hello, hello. Hey, thank you for taking the time. I know you're very busy and um, oh, I, greatly appreciate I greatly appreciate it. But before we get started with the Q&A, talk a little bit about your journey into collegiate athletics as well as the world of sports prior to coming to Park and Executive Search. Yeah, no, definitely. So I'll try and keep it short because I know there are definitely some things out there that people could read or, you know, it kind of steals my thunder when I'm beginning to build relationships with people. But, you know, the main thing is that I've had a passion for athletics since I was a little kid. I've grown up a Raiders fan and, you know, with the Raiders being out on the West Coast and me being originally from <laughs> Lawrenceville, Georgia, uh, we made it a have it every year around Christmas to go to an East Coast game. So that's been the majority of my upbringing. Uh, my dad played uh, football at the Division Three level out in Kansas. My mom uh, was a majorette, so she was a part of the band, went to uh, Jackson State and HBCU. So really covered a wide gamut um, of athletics and what it could look like in many different forms. But though I never really saw myself being in this space exactly, actually being on TV and being a sports broadcaster at that. And so growing up in Atlanta with CNN, TNT, you know, all the major uh, broadcasting networks, it was kind of, you know, natural for me to fall into that. And with me being from Lawrenceville, Georgia, right in the heart of Bulldog territory, I actually grew up in one of my role models still to this day was Maria Taylor, followed her volleyball career. As you know, I played volleyball at the University of Central Florida. And so that was really kind of my beginning journey of how I wanted to utilize my athletic experience to help me find the educational experience that was going to allow me to be in those kind of spaces. So I watched Maria Taylor and said, you know what, I'm going to do the exact same thing. I'll start off commentating volleyball games and then boom, next thing you know, I'll be on the red carpet at the ESPYs. Now you and I both know sometimes that journey is not as easy to the top, but one could definitely hope and dream. And so with having those uh, career ambitions, I found myself at the University of Central Florida, had a great communications program, a great location being there in Orlando. You've got professional sports, you've got a college team that was just on the cusp of really breaking into uh, that next tier. And so it seemed like the best opportunity for me to further my athletic aspirations and then get a good education along the way as well. So I started out at UCF as a broadcast journalism major, and I'll be honest with you, Daryl, it only took me a couple classes until I realized uh, maybe this is not the best use of my talents. And so from there, I really looked around me and said, you know what, I want to stay in athletics, but what's another way to get to that? And so I actually had a great relationship with my academic advisor, Margaret Dan, and my director of academics, Kimia Massey, who's now at Oregon State, as well as Corey Pinkett and uh, Marcus Sedbury, who worked in our student athlete development office. And so through that relationship with them, I said, I found it. I know what I want to do. I want to work in student-athlete support services and hopefully have an impact just like the incredible staff at UCF was able to have on me. And so from there, I went to Michigan State University, was a graduate assistant working in their student-athlete support services, primarily focusing on student-athlete development with some academic advising on the side to really understand that holistic approach of what identity creation and exploration really looks like for our student athletes, especially at the power five level. So that was tremendous experience. It set me up uh, to actually get my dream job, which was at the University of Wisconsin 
uh, when I started my position there, we were actually the uh, Office of Student Athlete Development and then soon transitioned into career and leadership to really kind of further define what exactly our purpose was as we were working with our student athletes. So I was really enjoying my time at the University of Wisconsin, was starting to get exposed to a lot of different things within the department and thinking about where I saw myself moving professionally. And one of the things that my mentors always told me was really important was networking, exposing yourself to different things just to make sure that you're on the right track and you're utilizing uh, your skill set and also fulfilling your purpose in a way that's not going to get old. It's not going to get tired. And so through that, I actually applied for the Learfield Minority Academy, ended up getting selected. So was very excited about that. And so I flew down to Plano, Texas to do about a three day uh, intense training of just learning everything that goes into Learfield, uh, whether it's the different roles and opportunities within the organization or just kind of understanding the services they provide to a variety of different collegiate institutions and just kind of taking time to really understand what athletics is in a lot of different capacities. And actually through that, Daryl, is when we had a panel of search firms. Now going into this in 2018, I had no idea what a search firm was, but as I was sitting back in the audience, really listening to what it is that they do and how they assist a variety of different companies, institutions, organizations, I thought, you know what? This is really something I want to be a part of. And so our Parker representative at the time, all he said was we were stationed in or based rather in Atlanta, Georgia. And I said, bing, that seems like the best opportunity for me that I've heard all day. And so I asked a question, tried to stand out, maybe had a five minute conversation with them after that. And then pretty much from there, Daryl, the rest is history. I got called about an opportunity to interview uh, and really just saw this as an opportunity to really take my skill set to the next level, but also have an impact in a space that I saw um, of immense amount of positive potential in terms of really changing the face of our industry and just seeing if I would have a hand in really providing that impact and influence that I saw happening at institutions around the way. So being a woman, also being a person of color seemed like a great way to kind of add some additional value into that space by really creating familiarity and comfort with a lot of candidates that we knew we would soon be uh, working with if we hadn't already. Right. Uh, pull my chair up a little bit <laughs> <laughs> as well. But um, you mentioned that you didn't know much about search firms and a lot of people don't know much about search mm -hmm. firms. And those who know about search firm is they're kind of intimidated a little bit about search firms in regards to reaching out for to them exploring opportunities or something they may see and if they see a search firm has the search they're like ah they're not going to consider me um talk a little bit about what and who is parker executive search yeah, no, that's a great question. I mean, first and foremost, you know, Parker Executive Search, we're based here in Atlanta, Georgia, a retained executive search firm. We've been in the business for about 30 years and actually got our start on the corporate C-suite and higher education side of things. And as of late, we've really begun to focus more exclusively on higher education and collegiate athletics because we found that the two really complement each other hand in hand. And so when you understand the academic side of the house and the athletic side or vice versa, you're really able to assist your client in more ways than one because you're showing them that you understand the total 
operation that we have there. So that's a little bit about Parker Search in a nutshell. I mean, we touch senior executive positions across the college landscape, whether that's a dean, a provost, a president, chancellor, or even an athletic director, a head football and basketball coach, variety of different sports, or even a conference commissioner. So we work in a variety of different spaces. We're a boutique firm, so we like to keep it small. It's 10 total people at Parker Search. We're headed up by our wonderful leadership of Lori Wilder, our president, Portia Williams, our VP of the Higher Education Practices, and of course, as many people know, Daniel Parker, our VP and Managing Director of the Sports Practice. So 10 in total, four of us focus on sports exclusively. Um, so that's Daniel Parker, um, our principal, Grant Higginson, myself as a senior associate, and then also um, our associate, Taylor Middleton. Each of us kind of bring a variety of experience into the practice. So Grant was a former football coach and student athlete, uh, football coach at the Division Three level. I played Division One uh, volleyball, worked as student athlete support services, and then our associate Taylor was a track and field student athlete at Pitt and actually was Dr. Lapchick down at UCF's graduate assistant and did extensive work with Tides and uh, women leaders and things of that nature uh, as it relates to just kind of getting her name out in the industry. So that's a little bit about our team and, and kind of what we bring to the table. Well, let's talk about this. I often get asked this question. Why is everybody using search firm? You know, back in the day, <laughs> the, the, CEO or the athletic director did most most of the hiring and most of the recruiting for clients or candidates for a particular position. Why do you think search firms have become so popular in the sports industry now? Well, I will definitely tell you, Daryl, it's not something I'm upset about. I really love the fact that everyone is starting to use search firms, but let me just break it down this way. So the search process can be broken down into four different phases. You know, you got to start with defining objectives. What exactly are we looking for here? Then we go into the recruitment phase where we're identifying and assessing candidates. From there, once we've kind of presented those that have expressed interest to our search committee or to our hiring manager, whoever's going to be evaluating that pool, then we go into the facilitation of the process of the interviews. What questions do we want to ask? How do we want to seek out this information? and really determining who is the right fit for this opportunity. And then lastly, we end with helping our client with negotiation and closing out the search altogether. And so when you break it down that way, of course, Cyril, it sounds really easy. But when you think about the day to day of an athletic director, a president, a chancellor or any kind of high ranking uh, senior level position, you know that they've got a lot on their place from day to day. And so when you're thinking about researching the market compensation, understanding the trends that are currently going on, literally turning over every rock that's possibly out there to be able to cast as wide a net as possible to really bring and produce a diverse slate of candidates, that takes a lot of time. And so I think the reason why it has grown in popularity is the fact that we can take a lot of that off of those individuals' plates and allow them to really use their time in the most effective and productive ways. So whether that's engaging a variety of different constituent groups, donors, alumni, direct reports, people in the community, we offer our services and conduct listening sessions so we're able to get their input and create a sense of value and connection to the search from the broader campus community. Sometimes the athletic director or the president or chancellor doesn't necessarily have time to do that. And so here's a way for you to engage directly with us so we can implement and work in that feedback as we begin to identify and create that desired candidate profile. 
The other side of that is also really making sure that we are working in the best interest of the client. And as you know, once word gets out there about what a search may be looking like, who may be in the pool, it gets a little away from you. So there's a way for us to kind of contain that by truly being a partner with our clients in the search process. And so with all of that being said, I think it's just a much more efficient way to really get out there and find the best candidates for your opportunity and present them and also provide some additional context as to what we know about those people or those individuals based on our connections within the network. So to your point earlier, it can be intimidating working with a search firm, but the main thing is that you've got to get your name out there. We know a lot of people, but we don't know everyone. So if there's a search, if there's an opportunity that you're interested in getting involved with, now you can really come to someone, spend time to talk about the opportunity, understand the objectives of what they're looking for without sometimes being limited if a school may be deciding to run the search themselves just based on the time they have to work with. So in a variety of different areas, we're really just able to kind of take a lot off their plate and really recruit, advise, and facilitate a very sound and efficient process. Uh, let's talk about how you identify a candidate pool. A lot of times I get a lot of questions like, how do search firms identify a candidate pool? Mm -hmm. and sometimes I tell them, sometimes the um, client themselves may have candidates that they want the search firms to actually do a background check on, follow up with them. They may not have all the information available, but talk a little bit about how that process goes. Yeah, no, definitely. And so to your point, Daryl, we run a very inclusive process. I think it is a common myth sometimes with search firms that we're going back to the same, same stable of candidates. And so while we do our best to try and meet and interact and meet learn as many new people that are coming up through the industry as possible. Exactly like what you said, you have to get on our radar. And sometimes that is taking the proactive approach and just reaching out. So we begin to know who you are in the first place. And so when you talk about the recruiting process, the main thing that I'm looking for is alignment in three different areas professionally, financially, and personally. So when I get on the phone with a candidate, the first question I'm going to say is, tell me about who you are as blank. Maybe it may be, tell me who you are as a coach, tell me who you are as an administrator, what gets you up and motivated every day. From there, I'm starting to hear the natural alignment to the position and then basically kind of match it to what you've expressed you have an interest in or even what your skill set may speak to as it relates to what they're looking for in the opportunity. Now, being an aggressive recruiter, like you said, we can't just rest or rely on people to apply to the search on their own. So exactly what you mentioned is sometimes a client may bring to us a list of targeted candidates. If we could get these individuals in the process, that would be great. Now, again, we always say the search process, it's the people business and people will leave you for any and every reason. So just because someone is a star on your list doesn't necessarily mean that now is the right time for them to transition or even express an interest in your opportunity. So we take that list and we also supplement it with a list of our own through aggressive recruiting, having those telephone conversations, getting on a Zoom with someone just to learn a little bit more about their background and say, hey, client, this may be another person that may be worthy of consideration based on kind of the list you've presented to us so far. So it's our job to really dig deep and read between the lines utilize that feedback and input that we're getting from different constituent groups to really create a well-rounded profile that may not necessarily check all of your boxes, but allows you to see how this individual can take your department or your position 
to the next level. So while we're not waiting on people to reach out to us, we're out here aggressively recruiting. And the main thing is that we're a sounding board for the candidates. So exactly like you said, my job is to learn as much about you from you directly or from others that may know you in the industry. And that's another way that our network really comes into play is that we know a lot of people at these departments that are considered off-list references. Now, we're very careful as it relates to the individuals we're engaging, making sure they're very trusted advisors of us because confidentiality is always important in a search. But you never know where that off-list reference is going to come from. Like I said, my background is student athlete support services. Grant was a former football coach. Taylor was a student athlete and worked in a variety of different capacities as a relates to DEI. So all of us have a very extensive and broad network that we can ask someone, hey, you may not work with this person directly on the day to day, but in the interactions that you have with this person, just tell me what you think, because we want to know your best version may show up at that Tuesday interview, but what are you going to be like Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday? So our job is really to provide as much context and color to a candidate as we possibly can as it relates to really allowing their resume to come to life off the paper. Let's talk about the interview process. Oftentimes when I talk to people, they say, what is the interview process with the search firm? I said, well, it's twofold. You're going to have to interview with the search firm. And then the search firm, if you a candidate they want to recommend, is going to prep you to interview with the client that has reached out to them as well. Talk about the do's and don'ts um, during the interview process, particularly with you guys. If there's a candidate you guys are interested in that you might feel be worthy enough maybe to move on and be in the candidate pool for the client. And then once they become a candidate, what do they have to do the do's and don'ts in regards to going in to speak with the particular client that has contracted with you guys? For sure. Now, the one thing I do want to clarify is kind of going back to what I said earlier is that we run an inclusive process. So never is it going to be where you have to get through a screening through the consultant. And then from there, we determine whether you get evaluated or not. We present every interested applicant for review of the search committee. Now, basically what we then sit back and say, if one of the search committee members says, hey, Daryl Jacobs looks really great on paper, what else do you know about him? Then it's our job to provide that additional context. So never are we going to prevent someone from getting consideration and an opportunity if those are the metrics or the protocol that our client has wished to go by. So I did want to clarify uh, that piece there. But as it relates to the do's and don'ts, I think there's a, a, a extensive list of what we could go through. As you could imagine, Daryl, I've seen anything and everywhere between as it relates to what to do in an interview and what not to do. But the main three areas that I want to focus on in the do's starts with researching the institution. You want to familiarize yourself, not just with the program and the department that you're going to be working in, but really understanding the institution as well. We're looking for campus partners. And again, that's why it's really important or really valuable here at Parker that we work on both sides of the house because we understand how to create that connection to the athletic department, but also how to create that connection to the academic side as well, because we've always got to remember collegiate athletics plays a role in higher education, not the other way around. And so we've got to make sure that our candidates are tracking on the same vision and mission of these institutions as well to really be able to communicate that alignment and fit that we always talk about. So 
as you're familiarizing yourself with the institution, make sure you familiarize yourself with the search committee as well. Who's going to be in the room? Who are you going to be talking to? We used to do what we called airport round of interviews for our semifinalists. Now we've transitioned over to Zoom. We actually did that before the pandemic. So that was a big value add on our side, but it allows our committees to see more than less. What's an extra hour out of your day if you sit here and you have another conversation to really feel confident that you've cast as wide a net as possible. Sometimes in the airport round of interviews, we're concerned about cost, we're concerned about travel and getting people here and there. In the Zoom round, you're really able to engage with people, but also show your ability to adapt to this new future and new era that we're in. So research is always really important because that's your first opportunity to really create that lasting impression with them to be able to see, will they move me not forward to the campus round of interviews? The next thing I always talk about is really being able to communicate why you are the right candidate. In today's climate, we're really looking for impact and influence. What's the impact that you're going to have on this department and this program? And how are you going to influence others to have the same positive impact, but an even broader reach? What are your student athletes going on to do? What are your staff and administrators going on to do? How are they carrying out the mission and purpose of what our department is here to serve? So as long as you're able to communicate that in a very fluid and smooth and genuine way, that's always going to be helpful. And the way that you do that is practicing. Practice makes perfect. So utilize career services. We do a variety of different mock interviews, resume critiques during the summer. So always happy to help people work on their craft there, but also making sure that you're focusing on three to four key talking points that you really want them to remember at the end of your interview. Because again, we're encouraging our clients to see more than less. So after you've sat through about six interviews in a day, sometimes they begin to run together. So you've got to find that extra um for that extra tidbit that's going to make you stand out to the committee. So in addition to those four talking points, it may be really great to also make sure that you're asking really great questions. That also gives some in-text or context rather into you being the right fit. Not only are you interested in learning about us, but we're also gaining some insight into your thought process and approach of what you're going to be thinking of as soon as you come in to take over this new role. The last do that I always say is communication is key before, during, and after the interview process, especially as you continue to move forward, ask the consultant, get feedback, know what are the things that are working really well for me and what are the areas that may be questions that the committee still has for me? Am I answering these uh, thoroughly? Am I explaining? Am I providing enough detail? Get that information and really know where you are in each step of the process. That's what we're here for. So if you don't utilize the consultant, sometimes you can miss out on those extra tips that can allow you to really come to life in the Zoom round of interviews and then as you get to campus as well. Now, we did also talk about the don'ts, so I'll fly through those a little bit uh, faster because they're don'ts, so we don't want to spend a lot of time on them. So <laughs> the main don't is don't apply for every job. Really be selective and be strategic about what you're going for because, again, my do was why are you the right candidate? So if you start applying for a job here and there, doing this or doing that, sometimes it's hard for me as a consultant to really figure out what your motivation is. And so if a client asks me, hey, Delano, why is Daryl 
applied for this job. I want to confidently be able to speak on your behalf and say what your connection or what your pool is to that opportunity. So if you're applying for everything, sometimes that questions really what is this person's intentions and what is the impact that they're truly looking to make here? The next thing we talk about from a dope perspective is campaigning for the job. You really want to make sure that you only talk to your family and trusted advisors as it relates to the process or the opportunity. Confidentiality is of the utmost importance, and you don't want your name to start floating around in social media or just in and out of people's mouths. You want to maintain confidentiality about the search and really make sure that you're progressing in the right ways before you start making it known that you're in the process in the first place. The second part of campaigning for the job comes from your references. Don't have your references blow up the search chair, blow up the athletic director or the president or chancellor. That's another reason why they've engaged us. I'm more than happy to talk to someone about why they think you're the best candidate. Send over your recommendation. Give me a call. We'll log that information and present it for the hiring manager to be able to go through in their own time. But if you start to campaign for the job, sometimes it can give a not so great taste or leave a not so great taste in the mouths of the search committee or the search chair or whoever it may be. So if you're going to have one strong phone call, let's see where you go in the process first before you kind of fire that bullet out of the chamber. So, you know, remember, we're not campaigning for the job. And lastly, just don't outthink the process. Believe what your consultants are telling you. Stick to what the timeline is and just move throughout it. If you have questions, ask questions, but don't feel like you have to be somebody that you're not. We're really looking to find the most genuine version of yourself as it relates to where we want our department to go. So the more genuine you are, the more, you know, go with the flow, take it as it goes and be prepared and kind of have that loose kind of flow to yourself, that's always going to be a great way to kind of make yourself stand out as it relates to really showcasing that executive presence. Well, this is great information, but I'm going to go to a commercial break and we're going <laughs> to come more. We're going to come back with some more great information here on The Right Fit. We'll be back in about a minute, 30 seconds. The Right Fit podcast is brought to you by Rising Coaches Search and Consulting. Tired of spending what seems like all of your time and budget filling coaching vacancies? Let Rising Coaches Search and Consulting handle your next coaching search. Our process is simple. We identify, vet, and recruit a talented and diverse group of professionals that fits your institution's profile. All for a low price that we guarantee will beat our competitions. Plus, all of your searches will be handled by former coaches, meaning we will get the best possible insight on all of your candidates, and you'll get the perspective that only a former coach could provide. For testimonials, a full client list, or more information, please visit risingcoaches.com. Welcome back to The Right Fit. I'm Daryl Jacobs, your host. I'm here with my guest today, Delaney Jordan, Senior Associate at Parker Executive Search, and we're talking about The Right Fit. Um, we just concluded with your telling the do's and don'ts. Let's talk a little bit about, I want to try to get into some trends. You know, mm -hmm. I've, you know, you're seeing so many different things come across your desk, um, coming to the firm, different clients probably coming to you to fill different positions. Talk a little bit about some of the ones you see that's kind of trending right now as far as opportunities in the industry. 
Yeah, no, definitely. So I would say that the main opportunities that we really want or we're really starting to see open up are, of course, those senior level positions. You've seen a lot of athletic directors start to retire. It's a little bit different than that initial wave that we saw during COVID where we had some people kind of retiring, some people kind of leaving their positions. But now that departments are beginning to stabilize. We're starting to see those athletic directors that wanted to see their uh, departments through such a tough time begin to say, okay, I'm ready to kind of hang it up and move into my next journey. Because again, with that being said, the landscape of collegiate athletics is vastly changing every day. And so some people are saying, you know what, maybe it's time for the new generation or the new era to come in and kind of deal with some of these issues or you know, just some of these changes for a positive uh, experience that we're starting to see across the industry. So in addition to those athletic directors, head coaches, you're starting to see some head coaches, whether it's volleyball, basketball, football, starting to go into their retirement phase and kind of bring in that new um, era for those positions. So of course, you're going to see those senior level. But the main thing that I would say is really important to keep track of right now are those mid-level positions. We're really starting to see the pipeline dwindle a little bit, especially as it relates to entry level and mid-level, because now that we see that shift happening at the senior associate, deputy, head coach, athletic director level, now we've got to think of who are the people that are next in line to get those opportunities. Are you the second assistant? Are you the associate head coach? Are you the SD WA in your department, but an assistant AD right now. Those are the positions that I think are going to be most important for us to stay abreast on as we start to see this transition throughout the industry. Now, with that being said, another thing that we want to focus on on trends to stay abreast of come down to four main areas. The first one is going to be that of leadership. Really think through what your philosophy is going to do, be. How are you going to cast the vision? How are you going to hire coaches? How are you going to build a strong senior team around yourself? So as you're looking at these positions and as they open up, really start to think about what would I look like in that kind of role? How has my background and experiences prepared me to be able to articulate, communicate, and act on what my leadership style is going to be? The second thing that we want to focus on and not necessarily in rank order is really paying attention to being student athlete centered. We talk about NIL, we talk about the Alston case, we talk about a variety of different things that are affecting and impacting the student athlete experience. We've seen an increase in conversation around mental and physical health and well-being, providing more resources for our student athletes. So you've got to come in with a plan of how am I going to be a mentor to each of these individual student athletes that we're bringing into our department? How are we setting them up in a space where they are formulating and creating their identity that's preparing them for life after sport to give them the confidence and tools they need to be able to navigate adult life. The third piece that we talk about that you always want to make sure you're staying abreast of is development, fundraising, and community relations. Like I talked about earlier, Daryl, we're focused on impact and influence. If you're not out there in the community, if you don't have the fans behind you, it can be a really tough time, whether you're an administrator or a coach. So it's really important that you understand how to create value and connection with a prospective donor, with a current donor, or even with an alumni beyond just the dollars. And so now we're starting to see a trend of not just fundraising, but friend raising. How can you build solid relationships that are going to allow you to even get to the point where you can begin to ask for dollars to take your experience for your student athletes to the next level. And then lastly, 
We talk about campus relations. No matter what your position is in the athletic department, you can be the video coordinator, you could be the director of ops, you could be a senior associate, you could be an entry level, you know, intern. Whatever your position is, that's never a reason or an excuse to not reach out and build a network across campus. You really want to be that person that people say, when I think of it as something I need in the athletic department, this is the person that I go to. So as long as you're mainly keying in on those four trends, I think you're always going to be abreast of the most recent changes and how you're going to be prepared to lead through that and provide, at the end of the day, the positive experience for our student athletes. Most of the time when people talk today, there's a buzzword going around, intentional. I hear that a lot. And 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 this pertains to the next question. And I often tell when I do speaking engagement and talking to college students, be intentional about what you're trying to do. So with you know with that being said, how can someone get on a search firm radar? Because a lot of times they don't know how to go about it. They feel intimidated. They feel search firms may not be receptive, but I know that's not the case and I'm sure you <laughs> I'm sure you're going to shed some light on it now. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the first thing that I will say, and I know it's cliche, Daryl, but you just want to do a really great job where you are. I mean, people notice hard work. And like I said, when I'm talking to different athletic thought leaders that are on the ground in the trenches of these athletic departments, they're telling me who the next up person is. They're telling me who the rising star is. So if you're not focused on doing a great job where you are, you don't have to worry about getting on the radar of a search firm. We want people that can produce and we want people exactly like you said, that are in intentional about the experience they're getting so that ultimately it's preparing them for that next opportunity. So that's first and foremost. Now, the second piece of that is reach out, build a connection. If you're at a convention, like I'm going to be at the NCAA convention this week. You know, if you're at a convention, if you're at a conference, shoot me an email. Let's connect. All of our emails are available online. You can literally pick and choose who you want to connect with within the practice. So that's always a great opportunity or for a lot of my coaches. I always tell them if they're in town recruiting, Atlanta is a hotbed for every sport. If you're in the city, let us know. Let's get coffee. Let's grab lunch. Let's have you up to the office for a 15, 20-minute conversation just to learn a little bit more about who you are. We're opening our doors. We're here. We're friendly. We're ready to connect. So all you've got to do is reach out. Now, there are a lot of different ways that you can reach out. Obviously, you can send an email. We can schedule a call. You can connect with us on LinkedIn or social media. I'm pretty active on my Twitter uh, as it relates to trying to use that to build a network and connect with different people, see what people are talking about. So there's always a way that you can do that. Or sometimes it may be through a job. The main thing that I always say, Daryl, is always be open to a conversation. Even if you're not interested in the opportunity, use that as an opportunity to build a connection with the consultant. Sometimes my the thing that really grinds my gears is when I've reached out to someone and maybe I have a relationship with them, maybe I don't, but I say, hey, I have this opportunity, wanted to see if you're interested in discussing more. And the person emails me back and says, no, but keep me in mind for other opportunities. If I don't know you, I don't know how to keep you in mind for other opportunities because I'm not even sure why you said no to this one. And it's okay if the timing's not right. It's okay if the location isn't right. It's okay if there are other reasons as to why you're not interested, but let's use that opportunity to build a relationship. Even if it's 10 or 15 minutes, that's all we're looking for is just to learn a little bit more about you. We've got a very robust database. So as soon as you reach out, provide your resume, I upload it in that way everyone on our team sees who exactly we have and where 
which institution, what role, what capacity. And that's a great way to get on our radar is by reaching out, whether it's through a job, whether it's through the summer, whether if you're happy to be here because your team or your school is playing in Atlanta, any of those options are always a great way to build a connection and start to get on our radar. Well, I can tell you this, if they don't, they're not convinced now <laughs> that they can reach out to you. I, don't I know. hope they are, because I, mean, I, I, I really hope they out. are. <laughs> Because, you know, it's, it's important that they understand that uh, you're open. A lot of times they don't believe search firms are open or they already got their candidates. Mm -hmm. They have a candidate pool already. They just pull from whatever they got within. And I said, no, they're constantly looking for new people. Constantly, constantly. They're constantly getting different clients that uh, want to feel different opportunities. And you might feel one of those opportunities if you decide you want to step forward and reach out to them. You never know um, as well. But my last question. Word association. Let's do it. Give Let's you a word and you say the first thing that comes to mind. This lets the viewers and listeners get a little, little bit about you and your background and how you think, you know, as well. So Sounds volleyball. Opportunity. University of Central Florida. Sunshine. <laughs> Family. Strength. And finally, Parker Executive Search. Top tier, Daryl. You know I can't go any other way. <laughs> top tier, top tier. <laughs> it was a good way. I didn't expect you to say anything different, but Mrs. Jordan, thank you for taking the time to join me this afternoon. And I want to thank the listeners and viewers for tuning in as well. Join me next Friday when I have another great guest from the world of sports talking about how you become the right fit. Until then, please stay healthy, stay safe, and God bless.